Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to you. Hey, that's uh, that's pretty bad. The Raptors displaying, I think, some of the worst defense they've, they've had all season after their best defensive performance of the season just a couple days ago against the Sacramento Kings, losing this one 129 to 117. And even worse, OG Ananobi leaves midway through the game with a left uh, wrist sprain. Looked like he dislocated his shoulder on that play too, but dead gum. Uh, all that and more after all uh, all this uh, this quick little ad read. Of course, this is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk. We have somebody joining us, but after the ad read. Okay, so here's the thing. It's, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And here's the thing about Goldfinger Law. You only pay if you win. So if you lose, you don't have to pay. I'm sure there's a lot of people doing a lot of things that they would like that option. And as far as Goldfinger Law, they're going to give it to you. If you want to contact them, 416-730-1777. Kai, staff writer, Makai Bruce. I call him Kai because we're pals. That's my little protege, my little superstar (laughs) over there. Uh, We're ready to talk about this game. The first thing I want to ask you, I'm going to give you three options. So the Warriors shot pretty well at the rim in this game. Select one of the three. 72%. 84 percent or 90 percent which do you think it was man darn it it felt like 84 i'm saying it was it was 90 percent the warriors 90? shot 90 percent at the rim and get this they shot 66 percent from the short mid-range it's anything near the basket the raptors weren't able to stop and part of this is why Ooh. you know the raptors had i think saying trouble might be underselling it but the Raptors were very uh, anxious. They had anxiety. They had. They were really worried about what was going on above the break, out mm. beyond the arc with the Warriors, guarding the three-point line. Made them very susceptible to back cuts. And so while the Warriors didn't have a whole bunch of frequency at the rim, although they had a ton in the short mid-range just because the Raptors' rotations stopping short for those, those little floaters, uh, they weren't able to stop a lot of back cuts, and they got bludgeoned. They gave up so many points in the paint. And Kai, what, what's your answer for all this? You know, you just saw the Raptors. You just had this great piece come out. That's still true, by the way. You know, as it says under you, precious to you a truther. He's a huge boon for the Raptors defense. Why couldn't he? Why couldn't the Raptors defend tonight? What's what's your what's your take? Yeah, you know, it was just the way things started off was real brutal. I feel like it just wasn't that same cohesiveness, that same, you know, attention that there was in the Sacramento game. And in this game, you know, it just started off with a bunch of, like, really brutal, wide-open layups. Like, you know, guys getting back cut, just everybody not paying attention to who's behind them. It's just – and it wasn't like a one-person type thing. It was just everybody. So I don't I don't really know what to say about that. Like, it's just, it's just one of those games, I guess. So 
do you think that these games are more common or less common for the Raptors? Like one of those games, they're now, I don't know what they're ranking in the league. They might be 22nd in defensive rating or 23rd, uh, like across the NBA. This is a team that I think coming into the season, people are like, yeah, they could, they could hang in, maybe be top five. That's yeah. not the case. Like when know. it comes to paying attention, you know, you talk about cohesion, talk about knowing who's behind you. Why is it that a team that is supposed to be run like a drill sergeant's wet dream isn't uh, isn't doing anything in regards to communication? Yeah, I really don't know. It's just like I feel like a lot of it is that some guys are just performing below their expectations defensively, like naming like Fred Van Fleet. You know, when you have guys that are supposed to be really nice defensively and then they're not doing their job, it makes everybody else's job a lot more harder. And it just really just affects the team as a whole. I think that's a big part of why, you know, the defense has been as good because like Fred Van Fleet taking a step back on defense. Scotty was never really nice like that on defense. So there's just too many like holes to plug in the in the defense for it to be, you know, really good like that, in my opinion. Yeah. So the Raptors for the for people who are looking more technical answers. So there's something called a top lock. Uh Steph Curry and shooters see it all the time. It's a type of defense where the defense tries to stop the offense from getting a pin down or coming off a screen, coming up court to catch a ball. And how they do that is they position a defender in front of the screen or they switch it, right? This exists only when teams, or it exists successfully, only when teams are very aware that their two guys are playing a top lock scheme. And not only that, but those two guys have to be acutely aware of who is locking the top and who is now responsible if that back cut comes, right? We see this all the time in the NBA with a bunch of guys running off screens. They're so good at like backtracking, cutting it short because guys are shooting gaps. They will reroute. Who is better at that than Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, Jordan Poole? Basically nobody. The Raptors, no communication on the top lock. Sure, they locked the top, but did they have anything going on at the bottom? No, sir. That late rotation comes over at the rim. Maybe it's Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua. It doesn't really matter. They're not going to stop these guys with like tremendous touch from finishing at the basket. So that's like five minutes of us just absolutely lambasting the defense. Let's talk about something fun and good about this game. Uh, I tweeted after the game that I don't view the Raptors as an NBA team, you know, Mm -hmm. doing wins and losses. I view them as a vehicle for Precious Achua highlights. For anybody listening, there is a feature on Precious Achua written by Makai Bruce on RaptorsRepublic.com. I urge everybody to go read it. But we have the man in-house, and uh, you watch Precious Achua have a pretty damn good game. Maybe not defensively, but holistically, the whole damn thing was pretty good. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, Precious, you know, on offense, I feel like this game was a lot less chaotic than than we're usually used to. I feel like he was, you know, moving the ball really well, screening real well. And he had a lot of finishes where I was like, man, like, that's a really good finish. Like, last game, he had a great, you know, stutter rip move. And this game, he had a lot of great finishes, whether it's, like, you know, really acrobatic. He, you know, was getting offensive rebounds and, you know, getting putbacks like that. So he was just doing a lot of the dirty work. And then he was also just had a lot of pretty moves as well. So let's let's put your scout, your analysis hat back on. You did it for the defense. Let's do it for the offense. Now, you say Precious is a budding defensive star. I'm inclined to agree with you. Hell, I've said it myself. Mm. And offensively, though, as you say, there's a lot in the toolkit. Does it come consistently, all of it? Not necessarily. 
but there are fledgling attempts at things that only stars do at his position, at his size. What do you think about the future of Precious Achua, the offensive player? I think the future of Precious is largely as a wing. You know, he loves to say he's a wing. I think in his mind, he would like to be, you know, one of those huge ball handler guys. But I think a more realistic avenue is probably him working as like more of a big, you know, setting screens, rolling hard, just doing a lot of the off ball stuff. And then, you know, attacking closeouts in the, you know, in the near future. So I feel like the number one things he has to work on is getting that three point percentage back up and really working on his, you know, screen and roll game. That's going to give him a lot of opportunity, easy buckets, and that's going to give him a lot of opportunity to, you know, attack closeouts or whatnot. And when you're attacking closeouts, it's just a way easier avenue than having to create the advantage yourself, you know? Yeah. I, I think that Precious is overwhelming. When he gets to attack a closeout, when he gets to put the ball down, he's great leaping off of one foot. It just And he can adjust in air. We saw two or three finishes tonight where that was the case. And we also some, saw some of those more traditional big man finishes like pound dribble, gather, bump, finish mm-hmm. through contact or with contact, whichever, right? And that, that was fantastic to see. Uh, let's switch back to something negative, which, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll oscillate back and forth. Pascal Siakam, 21 points, seven boards, three assists. Three assists is low. He had no turnovers, by the way, but he wow. shot 26 times. 26 mm-hmm. shots and, and, you know, a handful of free throws for 21 points. He's not good. He was 8 of 26 from the floor. This continues a trend, and you can see it in this game. There are a couple blow-bys where he beat guys and, and draws a foul. There are a couple times that he missed at the rim after getting an advantage, but the guy looks a little – he looks like he lost a little bit of a step from earlier in the season. Looks a little gassed. Yeah, yeah, looks gassed. The creation isn't as robust, and he's living in the good games, in the mid-range. And in the bad games, 8 for 26, dying in the mid-range. What did you think of his performance? Yeah, you know, like you said, he just looks a lot more tired and just he doesn't look as spry as he did to begin the season. It's just he's looking to, you know, I feel like he's looking to draw a lot of fouls. He's looking to just initiate that contact in the mid-range. If he's not doing that, then he's looking to step back, hit a lot of mid-range shots. I feel like he's been taking a lot more threes. Like, I don't know if that's true or not, but I feel like lately he's been putting up a lot of threes. So he's really trying to get, you know, more jump shots going. And he's not really getting to the rim as much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was, I think it was, I guess this would be two games before this one. He went, he hit four threes. Last game, I think he was two for eight. And this game, he's one for six. He had a stretch shortly before that where he was one of 19 from downtown. This is a guy who was hovering, I think, around 34, 35%, which is, a perfectly fine percentage for Pascal to hang around, given what else he's good at. Mm-hmm. But he's hanging around 31% now. And if Pascal is going to no longer get to the rim, and he's also not going to be a guy who hits his threes, and he's also getting squeezed into the mid-range and not shooting like an insane percentage from there, he's trying, man. He's leaning on his counters as hard as he possibly can. But just like in this game, just like has been the case, I suppose, for a little bit of time now, he's struggling because he's not DeMar DeRozan, man. Like, Pascal is a lot of things that DeMar isn't, but he's certainly not a guy who can live strictly in the mid-range, and particularly no longer in the six- to seven-foot area where it's the little push shots that he hit a couple tonight, but constantly getting like 12 feet and out 
it just gets so much tougher. The contests on a lot of his shots tonight were also very competitive um, in the mid-range, not necessarily from three. It's mm-hmm. just like, this isn't a superstar's shot profile. This isn't a superstar's efficiency. And he, if he's going to lose that step, he's gassed. He's, you know, over the course of the season, having a tough time keeping up the body, all that kind of stuff. Once again, leading the NBA in minutes per game. He's, uh, what is he, like third in miles traveled per game, like this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the ball skills and the shooting touch to just like plow through these types of stretches that other stars who have like a pull-up three and all that kind of stuff typically can. It's tough. And tonight, also tough. Uh, if he has like a better game, maybe the Raptors are more in this game at the end. Maybe it's a little bit more compelling. But you know who did have a good game? Fred Van Vliet. I won't take all the air out of this one. I'll let you just take this one from jump. 28 points, 10 assists, good shooting night. Uh, his fifth good game in a row. Your thoughts on Freddie Van Vliet? Yeah, Fred, I feel like he really did a lot to, you know, kind of change the narrative around him this season. And I feel like a lot of that was based around just his shooting overall. And I feel like this season he's been getting to the rim a lot more than I've seen him, you know, do in the past. So with him, you know, shooting a lot better, with him getting to the rim more, and I just feel like the pull-up shot is the pull-up shot has always been pretty solid, but I feel like he's been more of a threat, you know, off the ball. He's been playmaking real well, and this game was no different. He was, you know, attacking drop. He was hitting mid-range jumpers. He was, you know, getting to the line a little bit, and you know, I feel like things just went really well in that facet. So with him just shooting was with him just shooting the ball really well. That's what the rappers really need, and I feel like. Oftentimes when Pascal is in these, you know, funks that he's not really shooting well, we can always kind of count on Fred Van Fleet to, you know, carry the load a little bit. So when you think about his scoring, you're right. Like the the rim frequency is up from last year. He has to try and buoy his game after having, you know, a very slow shooting start. But also I think he's been much better at feeding the role man lately and keeping his dribble alive. I'm curious what you've thought about uh, his the playmaking aspect of his game because I know he gets a lot of heat for that. Yeah, I feel like um, he's definitely been a great pick and roll passer lately. I feel like he's definitely like, especially between him and Scotty Barnes, he's always been able to find Scotty on a roll. He found Scotty on a nice baseline cut, and I feel like he's just keeping his head up a lot more instead of just you know shot chasing like he's been known to do in the past. I feel like he's just more aware of where he's at in the pick and roll, and just he's he had precious, he had Scotty. I feel like him and him and Pascal were in a lot of pick and roll, but that was mostly to just like get Pascal in the mid-range area, but I feel like he's just been a lot more aware on the floor than he's been in the past. And so this team, it it seems to be the case that Pascal has slowed down. Fred is going like he's had five spectacular games in a row and not spectacular relative to the season, but you could put this five-game stretch in his all-star season last year and it would still look like an aberration. Really, really high-level play. Um, Scotty Barnes, yeah, I think he's been fantastic lately. Precious that you was surging. And yet this team, they, they've gotten a couple wins, sure, but they're now 22 and 28. What do you make of this team, the compete level, the attention to detail, and the future of it after a game like this? Well, when you put it like that, 22 and 28, even though we've had a lot of great performances over the last couple of weeks, I think that most definitely you're going to have to probably see some trades in the next couple of weeks. Because if you stay stagnant here, then it's like it doesn't really seem like a serious thing. Like you're really trying to compete. So I think you got to move some pieces around. And I just feel like 
you just need to bolster this defense a little bit and just really get somebody that's a big man, get somebody who could really help out in that, you know, in that facet. And I just feel like as far as moving forward with this team, we've seen enough from this team to realize that there needs to be a change. This this is the thing that, you know, I I remember covering. You weren't covering the team yet. Uh, you were still, you're probably still in high school, probably. Yeah, Tampa season, were you in high school? Tampa season, no, I was in college. Oh, first year, first year college? Freshman? Mm-hmm. Freshman Kai? Man, I remember covering that season fresh off of the Raptors having the second best uh, record in the league in the bubble season, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they caught up to the Lakers and passed them in that late stretch of games. And I remember starting that Tampa season and seeing them always find a way to lose understanding that there was a lot of pedigree on the team. They still had a lot of great players, but it's like, damn, this team just isn't closing. The attention to detail isn't there. They're not clicking in a lot of facets of the game. And as much as I tried to lean on, you know, believing in their track record because they had established such a great track record. They, they since 2013 had won 48 games or more every year. And as much as 56, 59, they won a championship, right? And I think they were on pace for like 62 wins the season before. You try and make sense of it. Like there's a lot of good players on this team. This These guys have won before and they keep losing. And sometimes it's just teams need that shuffle. And the Raptors needed the shuffle from Kyle Lowry to go. They needed uh, Pascal Siakam to ascend a little bit higher. They needed Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua on the team. Like all this different stuff needed to happen and they needed a shakeup. And the talent level isn't that much higher now than it was then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the record is is similar. But like the talent level is the same now roughly as it was last season too. But the record is vastly different. What do you what do you make sense of this? You you watch ball for a decent amount of your life. When when a team, you know, you you look at a team, I know there's a lot of teams you like. You begged me before the season, you're like, let me talk about those kings, man, because you were excited <laughs> about them. You knew it was coming. You knew yeah. the kings were coming. And you're like, let me talk about this this Kings team. How did you know about the Kings team? How uh, how do you typically take things away about teams that are struggling despite having good players? What do you look for? I mean, when it comes to the this Raptors team, you know, like you said, it's like you look at the roster, you're like, wow, this is, it's a lot of talent. And it's a lot of guys who, you know, can really do something on the basketball court and yet they still find ways to lose. And I just feel like this season, it's really been the defense that really just hasn't been there. And I feel like with them performing so low, it's something that's supposed to be like an emphasis point. Like, you know, Nick Nurse touted as one of the best defensive coaches, if not just coaches, you know, period. And, you know, you have Fred Van Fleet who has a great reputation on defense, Pascal, OG. And I feel like when you have a team that's just underperforming so much, it's like the offense that they face, like it's easy to score on them. You know, you can get right past the point of attack. You can get to the rim. Like Pascal and OG and Precious can only do so much. And I feel like they have, we have good defenders, but it's not like, you know, everybody's a good defender and you just get in a bunch of stops. So I just feel like when you have all this talent, but you can't really get any stops, anybody can just come in and just beat you like that. And then with a team like the Kings, the reason I was really in on the Kings is because I really like when teams, they don't settle for just mediocrity. They just go out. They do the big star trade. They went and got the Mono Sabonis, who's a really good guy. And I just feel like you just can't, you know, have a balance of both. You have to – the Kings just went all in on offense. They really said, you know, 
We're going to grab the bonus a bonus. He's, he's paired perfectly with, you know, De'Aaron Fox. And I feel like the Raptors, they have a lot of, you know, versus versatile guys on defense, but they don't have like a really, you know, normal team when it comes to defense. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, they yeah, have totally. a lot of, you know, you know, really talented guys, but when you're looking just for a regular big man, you know, play drop coverage, hedge if you need to. Like I just feel like this, what the Raptors are trying to do is just not really sustainable for an 82-game season. That's what I'm trying to say. And imagine if they try to do it like, I don't know, over 240 games, right? Because they, they've been hitting this, like, hit the track again, man. They want, like, repeat. They want to run this song into the ground until they hate it. And the fans hate it too, right? It's just everybody has seen what the goals of this defense are. Uh, the players have seen what the goals of this defense are. Everybody's communicated those goals. Everybody's seen them meet or seen them fail to meet them. And I think it, it definitely has an effect on the players. There's a human aspect to this. There's a yeah. The guys feel it when they fail to hold at the point of attack. They feel it when they rotate. And it still goes out to an open corner, right? And it's just like, how long can we play this defense that we can't move away from because we don't have the roster to move away from? How long can guys like OG and Pascal play up every single game against bigs and kind of get beat around and all this kind of stuff, right? How long can you lean on guys to do that? And the Raptors, they're expecting to do it for years and years and years. But we're probably going to see some sort of change Will it be roster? Will it be schematically? Who knows? But it will be talked about February 7th at Rivoli, 6 p.m. There's a live podcast for Raptors Republic. Anybody who wants to come listen, uh, feel free to come hang out. If you want to talk to me about basketball, that's the best place to do it. We'll we'll chop it up afterwards. And, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of guests. It should be a fun night of basketball. Kai, are you flying in for the event as a special guest? Yes or no? You got to send a private jet out. I know you got the budget for it. Send the PJ and I'm there. Damn. So you you won't fly coach. It's got to be private jet. You're a fancy guy. Yeah, you got to be private. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, listener, that feels like a, a decent place to leave it. We, we we covered the defense, which was bad. There were some nice offensive performances. And uh, once again, precious that you highlights. Uh, we're, we're able to... <laughs> come out of this so that's nice kai is uh do you have anything coming up is it, you cooking anything up any features anything like that coming forward to i mean i gotta think about it i don't really got nothing in the stash right now any i mean i'm gonna be dropping stuff you know for the rest of the season any more Yu-Gi-Oh comps or what's the what's the deal man i may do some pokemon you know i know you're a pokemon fan i may i got all kinds of things in my brain are you so what's the last pokemon game you played the last Pokemon game I played, it dropped last year. Not the, not the one that just dropped recently. The one before the last one that dropped. Arceus or Arceus? Yeah. That was so good, man. That was a really great game. Yeah, I know that's the last one I played. I've been slacking on Pokemon, Damn. honestly. Maybe you need to get uh, – maybe you work too much. Maybe you're too much on the grind. That was <laughs> that was like uh, when, uh, when I had that tweet where I was like, damn, I haven't been reading as much as I should. I've been working a little bit too much. And Kevin O'Connor replied, he's like, bro, you're on the grind. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, get out there. <laughs> he's like, he's like, more labor, more hours, bro. Yeah, hey, I'm, I, I'm encouraging you the, the opposite way. I'm like, take more time off, dude. Relax. Anyway, <laughs> Kai, uh, feels like a podcast. Um, thanks for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah. Anytime. Uh, 
Kai and I will be back, I think, during the All-Star break for a podcast or just before it for a, a full-length podcast. So anybody who enjoys Kai, you're getting more of that soon on the podcast. Um, maybe on a pull-up tray episode, maybe on a, just a regular Samson episode. We'll see. But listener, thanks for tuning in. Yes, the Raptors lost. Uh, <laughs> somewhere mentioned in the Pokemon talk. Yes. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, like the video, subscribe, go to raptorsrepublic.com, subscribe to the website. That's the most important one. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for letting us chop it up with you. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Peace.